Hello and welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon-Miller at Lizzled on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. Oh man, it's always nothing like when we first start recording and Ben immediately starts lunging for the levels to adjust. I know, I'm, I'm always concerned about it because like usually what happens is I get levels from Liz, which only avid listeners know the beautiful process in which that happens. And nine times out of ten, she's not looking directly into the yeah. microphone so then there's a slight adjustment that needs to be made because when she's podcasting she's a total pro and she gets right up on the mic right um also i never know how loud i'm going to speak right. <laughs> there, it, as as the person who handles your levels on the back end literally it's it, it's it's a, it's it's a coin flip how, how loudly you're going to talk that day um it's never loud it's never loud it's never loud um but uh, well happy friday what as we record this happy monday as you listen to this or perhaps later in the week Liz, do you think that 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 equation the fact that we usually record on a friday which carries with it the the positive friday vibes that we're about to go into the weekend vibes do you think that carries over to monday so that when they listen to it they kind of get like a nice taste of the weekend like kind of that beautiful anticipation you have when you're about to leave work and go off for two days of work that's not at the office yeah um or or do you think that it's incredibly annoying because they're like you fuckers are living in a time and space where you get to take time off and i just started well i think like it goes one of two ways either uh either that's the case um i i like the idea of us having like that have having bringing with us the tropical vibe of a, of, a, of a Bahamas vacation, and so we've got, you know, our cocktails in hand and everything. Or the alternate version is that we sound incredibly exhausted because it's been a long week. Oh um, yeah, well that's definitely true. Yes, I mean yeah. So either way, I mean I feel like I'm always exhausted Monday mornings as well. So I hope the exhaustion is like a, like a positive kind, like mm-hmm. a like a world weary, survive the week, send us off into. I guess, I guess a tropical destination. I don't um, know. I don't. I, I just. I just. Maybe I just really would like a tiki drink right now. I mean, that's that's good. Um, so. but this week for this week's uh, podcast is brought to you by you guys, our gentle listeners. Um, what? What? We got paid? Oh God! Oh, I thought we got. I thought we were finally getting money for this. <laughs> Why would that happen? Oh, that's astounding. Yeah. Okay. Well, sorry. Didn't mean to get my hopes up. Yeah, sorry. But uh, we didn't get paid, but we did get questions from you guys. We put out the call on Twitter, not 15 minutes before we started recording, which is a rare, rare uh, special thing that, that rarely happens when we have the idea to do a kind of a questions podcast. So it still sounds like more work. Yeah. But, you know. I guess maybe less work because we didn't have to come up with a topic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, not that we put a lot of effort into, we put up a lot of effort. We do put a lot of effort. We just yeah. do it at a terrible time. Yes, we when we're it. already, we're, we're exhausted. Well, and, and usually 15 minutes before the podcast. Yes. Like we're scrambling to be like, what's the good thing we want to talk about? Anyway. Yeah. Point is, we have a lot of really fun questions for you guys. Thank so you. I'll stop yammering. Yeah, and Ben, I'm going to make you happy by revealing. I've I've been teasing that you're right off the bat. Right off the bat, we're just going to knock it out first thing. Good, then we're going to be done. Ben, who is the best man? The best man. The best man ever. Oh, the best person. uh, Oh, it's Crystal Fault. Yeah, our first question. Crystal Fault asked a question. Yes. 
Ah, oh, Chris, you can just text me. <laughs> but I think you're. It's, people should share in his wisdom. Yes, exactly. I'm so, not gonna be able to answer this. No, it's, I think you're gonna like this question because okay. not only is it a question from Chris O'Fault, the best human, it is also a question about Twin Peaks. Oh shit. <laughs> Again, I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer this. Okay. I would love to hear how you think Emmy voters are treating Twin Peaks. I have zero sense if this praise is insular conversation, which is not how I felt about, say, Handmaid's Tale last year. And I think he's made, which I believe he is saying, well, Handmaid's Tale was clearly a major contender last year. Twin Peaks may not have the same level of buzz. Uh. It's had you've you've been to the FYC events. What's the reaction been? It's impossible to say that it doesn't have buzz. It has buzz. Um, the thing with the Handmaid's Tale last year, the biggest question was its platform. The biggest question was can Hulu finally get over the hump and actually get people's attention enough that they'll vote for this show? Um, and honestly, I think these shows are kind of linked, even though they have opposite issues. Um, Showtime has no problem getting people to watch Showtime. Uh, Homeland has been very successful at the Emmys. <laughs> Ray Donovan, <somewhat laughs> Ray inex- Donovan, somewhat inexplicably, has been very successful at the Emmys. Um, a number of other shows, Shameless, plenty. But um, their the problem with Twin Peaks is, as I'm sure the uh, all talented and impeccably dressed Chris O'Fault knows, uh, is that it's just difficult to crack that egg for some people. Like Twin Peaks is a challenging program, so it's it's. You know, it's hard to be immediately accessible as many shows can be, especially in sampling, like when they send out those mailers and they give you like four episodes of a show. Usually you can kind of get the gist of it and you can kind of get the gist of what Twin Peaks is in four episodes, but not all that it can be or all that it's able to accomplish or all that it can evoke from you when you get the full experience. Didn't they show part eight at an FYC event? No, they showed the finale. Okay. That was a questionable decision. Um, Should they have shown Part 8? I think they absolutely should have shown Part 8. I think Part 8 actually is one of the rare examples of an episode that kind of works as a standalone story, whereas the ending is batshit nuts. Um, Grade B. God, listen. Um, you got to stop advertising that. Um, But that being said, the FYC event was very, very busy. There were a lot of people there. It absolutely sold out. Um, so that's a good sign. That that being said, there's 22,000 Emmy voters. <laughs> the theater does not hold 22,000 people. So that's not to say that many people are actually watching Twin Peaks. Right. Um, the ad campaign by Showtime has been tremendous. Uh, the people working on Twin Peaks have gotten behind it. Kyle MacLachlan has been doing a lot of press. Uh, Laura Dern has been doing a lot of press. She's also pulling double duty for the tale. Uh, even David Lynch was at the FYC event, which is pretty nuts. And he has done additional talks with people which is somewhat shocking um so what's interesting to me is i I definitely feel like it has the buzz it's definitely a legitimate contender i still have it ranked as the number one contender for limited series because linking this all the way back to my long-winded response uh, at the start it's linked to handmaid's tale in the sense that people understand that this is an important show people saw handmaid's tale as an important show for political reasons last year they see twin peaks as an important show because uh, critics and you know uh, influential members of the industry have lost their fucking minds over it. Um, so I think that I think that Twin Peaks will get a lot of votes simply because 
people respect it. They may not have even watched it, but they're going to look at the competition and be like, well, I'm sure Twin Peaks is better than that. And then those that have been exposed to it, you know, they're going to be the love it or hate it, but I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 split love-hate. I think it's more going to be like 70-30. So I think I think it's in a good spot. Um, if it turns out it gets nothing, that's going to be pretty shocking. If it turns out it doesn't get best limited series, but McLaughlin grabs a slot, that's surprising but less surprising than, you know, total shutout. I think it'll do well. Um, and I think that in reaction to your very specific question about Emmy voters and how they're feeling about it, that's too big of a body to condense to one thing, but I think they feel good. I think, I think they're responding well, as well as anybody could possibly expect. Right. Okay. It's got a way better shot than the leftovers did last year. (laughs) That said enough. Um, random aside, by the way, you know what I always forget and until like I'm watching it and then it's like oh that's right I always forget that Laura Dern is in Jurassic Park um, yes. and I just recently went to a 25th anniversary screen she's so good in it in this, but in this way where it's like oh that's right she might be one of our greatest living actresses sure. Laura Dern FYC Twin Peaks the tale yes um, Jurassic so- Park I don't I don't care but yes <laughs> The other two. You, she, well, we're, you, you, yes. <laughs> yeah. Laura Dern, consider her for an Emmy nomination for Jurassic Park. I mean. It airs on TV all the time. That's true. <laughs> um, ben, do you have anything? Do you have a question from our from our lovely audience oh, that you want to yeah, share? Sure. Um, this is from a longtime listener, oftentime writer, Matt Mizell. Dr. Matt Mizell. Hi, Matt. Um, what shows that are released all at once would be better if they were released weekly? It's an oh, easy a... one for me. All of them. Liz? Yes. That's a really good question because I, I, I especially is. What? All of them. No. Pretty much? No. I, can't, I, I binge too much to say that. Um, because I think, and I also think that, you know, there are shows which play better as a binge. I do, I do believe that sometimes. I do. Examples. Um, well, I'm trying to think if I'm under embargo on what I just watched. Probably. Um, probably not, actually. I think it premieres Sunday. Yeah, actually, I'm fine. Um, I would say having just done a big binge of The Affair, uh, season four premieres, uh, as you listened to this last night, um, I would say I, I, I enjoyed The Affair. Shut up. I if enjoy- you must binge, binge bad TV. No, if <laughs> no. you must... Watch bad TV, binge it. <laughs> I actually kind of, I, I mean, I was complaining about it a little bit just because I, I, it's a, it's a hard show to watch as a binge, but it also, I think, plays better than, cer- it certainly plays better that way than when it did when we were viewing it weekly. Um, I don't, I, I, I don't know. That wasn't a good example. Discussion. Um, shows that would, I. Uh, here, I'm going to throw one out there that I don't agree with, but sure. I feel like a lot of other people might. Right. Uh, the Good Place. I think The Good Place benefits from having a weekly breakdown and kind of the anticipation. But a lot of people want to plow through that because it's such a beautiful world to live within. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a lot of hooks at the end of each episode, which yeah, I demands would say, binge. I would say The Good Place plays better as a binge. Absolutely not. But I respect this argument. Um, mostly because of the hooks at the end of every episode. I feel like, you know, I think it is more written towards the binge frankly like than it is than it is otherwise um i'm not saying i don't i i feel like 
I guess it's the that's the opposite of the question though, because we're trying to yeah. go with yeah. Um, yeah, shows. Uh, Dear White People, I think, oh. is is a very good episodic show. Like yes. very strong in that respect. Yes. Same with BoJack. BoJack's very good about defining its episodes and making them feel really singular. And and there's so much to dig into on a topical standpoint with Dear White People and with like with a formal standpoint for BoJack. Like there's so much to appreciate in both of those. Mm-hmm. That rather than just kind of be overwhelmed by the experience of watching them all at once, like take the time and and sink in, enjoy it. And along those lines, I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, don't get it. It's not. I don't know if it, I'm actually genuinely curious if it would make it better or worse to watch 13 Reasons Why on a weekly basis. Again, if you have to watch bad TV, no, binge I, it. no, I binged 13 Reasons Why, and that that, that that made. I feel like I feel like maybe maybe my reason for picking out picking out uh, 13 Reasons Why is that because they do really try to dig into big issues and some over the course of the season, not just in one or two episodes. I feel like having the space to really break down what each episode is trying to do and deal with it. Like, I think that'd be valuable for viewers, uh, especially, especially if, 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 especially if given that, that, you know, one of the things that the creators have made a big point of saying is like, they, there have been studies that have shown that, the show it really is starting conversations between parents and and their and their and their kids um for better and worse for better and worse well i don't know there have been other studies yeah well so it's a i will say that perhaps that would decrease the idea of how bloated the season can feel when you watch it all at once like mm. if you're watching them you know only one a week and you're actually like you know obviously you're enjoying the experience or you're you're getting something out of the show then perhaps you'd be able to uh, appreciate some of the moments that feel extraneous when you're plowing through that sucker. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think we might be onto something though with the whole <laughs> if it's bad and you know it's bad, but you have to you just for whatever reason you got to watch it anyway. You're like, I'm watching Goliath. I'm obsessed with Mark Duplass. What he's doing is fucking nuts. I gotta see this through to the end. I, I'd say binge it. Like just get it over with. Catch like you'll be able well, to kind of tune in when those key parts you want are, are happening and kind of tune out when you get bored um well it speaks to i mean like my mom uh has recently been like on the on the billions train Billions. but her whole thing with billions was that she really liked a couple of characters and didn't really care for some of the other characters or she i, I don't i don't want to speak for the she, I, don't, I don't think she didn't like certain characters but she really loved taylor and she really wanted it, and so I feel like if you were binging, then it'd make it easier to kind of like go. I can just kind of drift off during this scene, and then folk, and then Taylor's back. We can care about her, care about their plot line. Yeah, the billions example is probably more relatable and understandable than the Goliath example. Yeah. Um, speaking of my mom, uh, she submitted a question for us. Which got Janet. Um, if you could design your perfect TV series, what would it be? It'd be the leftovers. What if it? What if you had? It couldn't be the leftovers. It'd be Parks and Rec. Really? Because you do not think that show is perfect. Yeah, but like the 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 design of it and the the moral center of it, and I mean everything other than like a very singular aspect of the final season. Yeah. Well, let's break that down a little bit. Like you know, you you'd want an you're into the idea of an ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, you want like a good. You want it to have a good heart? I mean, in a very general sense, but like the 
the way the, that a, a good heart is exposed is very different between the leftovers and parks and recreation. That's true. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't really know of any other commonalities. I mean, read the question again. If you could design your perfect TV series, like you could take all the things from all the TV shows you love and put them together in a, in a blender and drink that smoothie, what will your smoothie be? I mean, I feel like it would be about combining people to see what came of it. Mm. Um, like sticking with this very, uh, this flippant example of, of leftovers and Parks and Rec, it would be interesting for me to, which has happened, but for like, for storytelling purposes, to put Lindelof and Michael Schur in a room together and tell them, come up with a tv show yeah it's a good place it's not but kind of um it what i was alluding to was they did meet before the good place became a tv show but it was sure's show and sure's idea and he just talked it over with with damon but um the same could be applied for for casting like um i mean justin throne and amy poehler Mm. That's, again, also happened before, but put them together, mm-hmm. see what they can come up with as a dynamic, see what they want to play, see what they're interested in, bounce those ideas in the room with, with Lindelof, throw in, a, throw in a Parada, throw in a Goor, throw in like whoever we want, and just kind of see what comes of it. I, I, don't, I don't really believe in the concept, and I, I don't believe this is what you meant, Mrs. Miller, uh, I don't believe in the concept of designing a show like I want it to be an hour-long drama and I want it to be about this theme, and I want it to be this long, and at X, Y, and Z. I feel like it. there needs to be a kind of an open-door policy where we let whoever's doing the creating create. And if I'm doing the creating, then we'll never get anywhere, because I'm very indecisive. <laughs> um, it's interesting, though, that you're focusing on the people, because... Um, if you travel back in time to like the year 1997 and you said to young Liz Miller, uh, you know, design your favorite, design like the perfect, design design a perfect movie. Um, young Liz Miller probably wasn't fully aware of who either, you know, you know, of like the options she had available. But if you told her like, okay, you can take like a perfect visual fabulous, like someone who's a, got a mastery over you know, set design and cinematography uh, to create and in, in creating indelible images on screen. And you can behind him with perhaps one of the wittiest screenwriters to ever work in Hollywood. And you had them make a movie as part of a beloved franchise, it would be great. The answer, though, is that you actually get Alien Resurrection. Uh, which was written by Joss Whedon and directed by Jean-Pierre Junet, two people who I, whose work I've loved independently, did not make a great movie when they came together. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I think that speaks almost to exactly why I don't want to do the design thing. I wouldn't want to tell them, you have to make an alien movie. I'd want to tell them, you can make any movie you want. So I don't want to put any sort of construct on top of it. Mm-hmm. I just want to put the people in the room and see what comes out of it. Um, and that, that speaks to, as well, what we both like like we don't i mean you like specific kinds of stories like you enjoy sci-fi a lot mm-hmm. um but you don't only like sci-fi you like all kinds of stories and that's the kind of thing like i don't want to limit it to just that I, I i often feel bad for network executives who are 
trying to fill a slot. Like they know they, they've got a program that fits this part of what the audience is looking for and they've got to fit this other part. And it's, I feel like that's got to be so hard to look for that exact thing instead of just kind of filling a network or filling a, uh, however you watch TV, like filling your queue mm-hmm. with the things you want to watch. Um, but yeah. It's like it, it, that's the kind of thinking that keeps like a really great original idea from finding a place on a network. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and there's there's necessities to it. You can't have like, I mean, I, I love Veep to death. And I love HBO to death, and I'd love to see more of it forever because it's great. But you can't have six Veeps on the same network. Like, mm-hmm. and we understand that. Like, yeah. it's just, we get it. So, like, if they had the next Veep now, that's fine. But if they would have had it seven years ago, they would have had to let it go somewhere else. Um, and that's the kind of thing where, again, if I'm designing something, it's like, I wouldn't want to say, man, I really want a good political satire right now. It's like, well, maybe I don't. Maybe I think that's what I want, but I don't want that. Mm-hmm. It's all relating back to our revivals conversation, Liz. Yeah. Maybe what we think we want isn't what we want. No. Do something new. Yeah. Give us new. Um, I feel like that reminds me of like, I think it's, I'm going to paraphrase Nicholas Meyer um, about this, but like he basically said once that he was talking about his relationship to fandom and he was basically like, fandom's, fandom's job isn't to tell you what, Fandom, fandom doesn't get to tell a creator what they want. Like, fandom gets to enjoy what the creator is making. And that's a blunder way of the way he put it. But basically his thought was like, you know, if theoretically fandom is signing up for what the creator is creating, uh, is signing up for what they're getting. Um, and if you try to ta- tailor what you're making too much to what the fandom says they want, they're not getting what they want. Right. Uh, which good is, good it, intro for the new Watchmen series. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. It It's certainly a shorter intro than uh, what got posted to Instagram. Uh, ben, you got another question? Oh, yeah. I, I've got one. I don't know if we can answer it, but I feel obligated in a way because it is being discussed. Um, uh, a longtime listener, off-time writer, Jeremy Pizig, writes... Hi, um, Jeremy. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that Apple has formed a production partnership with Oprah to make programs for its new subscription video service. I wasn't aware of this service and was wondering what your thoughts were on a company, maybe best described as a consumer electronics and software company, entering into an original content production. Is there an appropriate comparison in the market, e.g. Amazon? Uh, Our boss, Michael Schneider, answered this as best he could with a recent article, What We Know About Apple. (laughs) Um, And the, the very brief response is, we don't know much. Um, we don't even know that it's a subscription service. Like, yeah. we don't know that they're going to make you pay an additional fee to watch stuff or if, like, people who have Apple devices will have access to it. Um, it's so, yeah. Like, we, we don't know. And and that's making it very difficult to talk about the shows that they've commissioned because they've bought a lot of things. That's the thing that's making people, making waves. They've bought a lot of high-profile content. Um so we know kind of the series that they're coming out with, but we don't know how they'll be released. We don't know um, if you have to download an additional app, if it's going to be on iTunes, if it's going to be through Apple TV, if it's going to be on a website, if it's going to, like, we don't really know how it's going to, we don't know much about it at all, uh, other than <laughs> the deal they struck with uh, Reese Witherspoon and, and Jennifer Aniston for mm-hmm. their, like, talk show, right. dramedy, whatever the fuck. Um, really threw things for a loop for Big Little Lies season two. Really upped that... Uh, <laughs> up those salary 
uh, for for the actors going into a season that they didn't have pre-existing contracts for. Um, but no, I mean, uh, the short response is we don't know don't know enough to comment. The long response is it's going to be a major disruptor. There, it feels very much like they're gunning for Netflix. They're not gunning to be second place. They're not gunning to be just some kind of um, their own distinct version of it, kind of like Facebook. Like Facebook Watch has kind of turned into like a portion of Facebook. It's not trying to go direct battle with, mm-hmm. you know, the like with the Hulus and the Netflix and the Emmys contenders out there. It's making shows that can compare to that in a way, but for the most part, it's trying to be its own thing. Um, and I, I think Apple is going to go much more head to head. Yeah, and here's what I'm going to say about it. Um, when Netflix launched, the thing, the thing, the question is like, you know, Apple did bring in uh, a couple of big names in terms of like to head up their creative. Uh, two former, the, the guys who were heading up Sony, Sony Television, uh, where they got got scooped up, and so there's. It's not like nobody over at Apple knows creative, but I have never. I. It's really important to remember that Amazon and Netflix both essentially launched their. You know, new, they both essentially launched uh, their first original series around the same time. Like, but we re- we don't remember Alpha House. We remember House of Cards. Um, I mean, for yeah, Ben made the the ugh face uh, for House of Cards, but you know, the the the, the big difference between what it was happening with Alpha House, it, 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 Amazon's early uh, early original series, and starring Nef- John Goodman. Yeah, starring John Goodman. Admittedly, and with a cameo by Bill Murray, um, and technically uh, being like like, and uh, Gary Trudeau, the political columnist, was also a executive producer. Uh, but that is nothing compared to the one-two punch of um, Kevin Spacey on screen, and more importantly, David Fincher behind the scenes. And the thing I always come back to uh, with it is the first shows that launched. Uh, with uh, on Netflix, all had really with the ex- all had really strong creators behind the scenes. You had David Fincher and you, you had David Fincher and Bo Willem on on House of Cards. You may not like Eli Roth, but you know what you're getting with him. And so Hemlock Grove, like you knew exactly what you were getting with Hemlock Grove with Eli Roth involved. Uh, Rest of Development, same deal. Orange is the New Black. I remember being really surprised actually by how many people I would I would tell them I was watching Orange is the New Black, and they would all immediately the, the the television savvy people I was telling this to were like, oh, it's made by the lady who made Weeds. We knew Weeds, and we liked Weeds in its early seasons or something like. And I don't know if I'm like some of the Apple, some of the Apple shows that have been announced have notable creators involved but some of them are like some of them don't and like some of them are just being fired like amazing stories can't hold on to a showrunner it seems like and i feel like i feel like apple may be over investing in on-camera talent and not paying enough attention to the fact that if new new audiences are going to have to going to have to learn how to watch their shows uh, they're going to need a really strong reason to do so, and a strong creator behind the scenes is oftentimes a really helpful indicator in that. Um, I really like that argument, and I want to believe it. I I would say that you know having Jennifer Aniston coming back to television and Reese Witherspoon doing something after Big Little Lies um, is a much bigger deal than you know John Goodman. It's a much bigger deal than Kevin Spacey. That's um, fair. And then the other side of it too with Netflix. A lot of those shows you're talking about um, 
had something for, on Netflix already that led the consumer into being excited about those shows. Like people watched Weeds on Netflix, and that prepped them for Orange is New Black. And then their first comedy was Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I mean, other than Rest Development, but Rest Development was also on Netflix. Um, and people who watched Thirty Rock on Netflix were excited for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Tina Fey is another big name that you're mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's. To me, it's it's kind of about whatever the model is too, and that's the thing we don't know. Like we don't know if there's going to be like if pe- like people are watching stuff on iTunes, but they're used to buying it, so that's not necessarily the same like one to one comparison of how you can recommend stuff. Um, so it's kind of like what else will the service offer? Slash, how does the service like how what do you have to do to get to it? So. Well, here that's the biggest thing, um, and that actually goes back to uh, not to not to keep beating up on John Goodman. Um, but infamously, uh, John Goodman, when promoting Alpha House, was on The Daily Show, and he was asked directly by Jon Stewart, how do I watch it? And he didn't know the answer. Mm. Um, he had no idea how one, a, 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 the average consumer could, you know, use Apple TV, use, use Amazon. And so as a result, basically, the as soon as Jennifer Aniston is doing press, whoever is interviewing her, please ask, can you explain how to watch this uh, content? Like, well, and it's going to be easy. Like that. if, if Apple knows anything, they should know from all of these lessons from, you know, their tech background. Do you as have well an Apple as... music account? Like, do you use Apple music? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't. Cause I find it confusing. It's very, it's very simple. Once you, like you have to subscribe, but as soon as you subscribe, it's all there. It's all very, it's all very, very easy. But the beyond that, like, it has to be clear to people who own Apple products how they get to it. There can't be confusion between, like, oh, it's iTunes, but it's Apple Music, and those are different, but they're in the same mm-hmm. app. Oh, it's, it's part of, like, Apple TV, but do I have to do something to add it, or is it just a channel? Like, they have to understand what exactly it is, whereas everything else was very much starting from scratch in a way. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. They'll they'll have to have a very good answer. I expect them to, but I expect to hear how that's going to work like long before they send Aniston out for press. So who knows? Right. Who, who knows? knows? It's supposed to be later this year because um, they're trying to launch it in early 2019. So mm-hmm. like by the fall, hopefully we'll start hearing some things. But Here's my question for you. Do you think shows that are part of the, these Apple-produced shows – do you think they stand a chance of really penetrating, really pulling off, say, A Handmaid's Tale or something, if they don't, uh, you know, if they if they aren't available to people without Apple products? Do you think you, like, do you think that if if there if users are if viewers are required to have an Apple product in order to watch the show, do you think they'll do you think these shows will be able to succeed on just on a zeitgeist level? Man, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I do. Hmm. I um, we don't know how many people are watching The Handmaid's Tale, but I think it's safe to say it's a success, right? And I think that the same result could could easily happen with Apple. Uh, it, it, again, if only because it seems like people find a way to watch stuff when they feel like they have to. Um, whether it's they have to learn or they have to pay or they have to, you know, whatever, uh, they'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I'd, I'd say yes, but again, it's so early. Mm-hmm. Who knows? 
Um, so question from our another another loyal listener, uh, Dylan Gonzalez. Thank you, Dylan, for you sent us a bunch of questions. Yeah, we're, Dylan. And we're, we're we're running a little long. Um, so uh, let's see. I want to. I want to. I want to make sure we get to at least one of these because they're all really good. Um, I I'm curious for 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 Ben's answer to this. Um, if given the chance, are there any shows currently airing or between seasons that you would move to a different network for any reason, creative or otherwise? <laughs> God. Uh, currently airing or between seasons? Um. Any any show that's not dead. Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah. <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. This is, I, I'd move casual to Aww. HBO. Oh, that's actually a good call. Um, I feel like if it had, I feel like if it launched now with, on Hulu with The Handmaid's Tale being what it is, it would have done better. Um, I feel like if it was on HBO, it would have kind of the I don't think that it's exclusively made I don't think it's made at all for an older audience or a white audience even but like a lot of those old school subscribers to premium cable would respond to casual in a good way and then the HBO Now subscribers would be very happy with it as well Um, it's just a very good show that I'd love to see get more exposure and it is limited in a way because of the content that it, it, it can't just drop on Fox or whatever um, you know, FX would be a good home for it, and honestly, that's where I'd move something else. I'd move, I'd move You're the Worst back to FX. I I love You're the Worst. I love the FXX model. I understand what they're doing. They're doing a great job with it. But for its final year, for its final get go, I just want the most people possible to be able to watch this thing. And um, I mean, honestly, both of these shows are ending their last year, so I I just try to give them whatever little boost I could. Like, I, I mean, honestly, the, the real answer to this question is, like, I'd keep them where they are so that the people who actually, you know, the, the executives, the, the network that, you know, took a chance on them and produced them for so long would be able to reap the benefits. And then I'd also, they'd lease it out so, like, same day air on whatever else, mm-hmm. like on fucking Netflix if it has to, just so people can find it. Um, but yeah, that's my answer. That's good. Liz? Um, I would, and I think this is a good, I I don't know if this is a great idea or not, but you know, my first, you mentioned FX and I'm like, FX could really use more, more animation. Um, so why not, why not let Bojack, uh, I mean, I feel like Bojack could, with just a little bit of toning down, play on, play on the network. And FX gets a new brilliant animated comedy, and BoJack gets to be appreciated on a weekly basis, um, and also gets to uh, you know gets more gets more eyeballs, more prestige. Maybe more prestige, definitely not more eyeballs. Ah, fair. <laughs> we just don't talk enough about BoJack. I mean, this is true. It's a sad period of the year when there hasn't been new BoJack for so long. And we don't know when new Bojack is coming. It's probably going to come by the end of September. We don't know that, though, Liz. We don't. That's true. 
And in general, like all the shows that used to premiere in one quarter on Netflix are now premiering on the late, the the, the next quarter. Like if it's a quarter, a, a Q2 show, it's a now Q3 show, and et cetera. Because uh, everything takes longer now, apparently, I guess. Too much content. Too much content. Um, do you have another question you want to make sure we get in? Mm, not sure. Oh, this is interesting. Um, uh, it's also from Dr. Meisel, but uh, do you think how you watch the show, for example, on an iPad versus on a television screen, affects how much you like it? Mm. You know, technically the answer to this should be yes. Like, technically, you know, it's like the bigger screen is always better. But, I mean, especially, like, I find myself, I'll, I'll, especially if I'm reviewing something, I'll probably watch it a couple of times. And one of, and generally, like, I'm switching between, four, you know, switching between, like, my computer monitor versus my, you know, television versus my iPad. And I don't know. At this point, I feel pretty agnostic about it. Yeah. I, I don't think it's the device so much. It's always better to watch things on the biggest screen possible, but... A, well, biggest, best screen possible. But my argument for that is, A, to appreciate every aspect of the show. And some people are only responding to very specific things, so they can kind of discern that for themselves. Um, but for me, in terms of appreciating a show, it's it's not about the size so much as it's about the environment. Um, whatever you need to watch it on that is that allows you to have a distraction-free experience is best um if you're watching on a computer while you've got six other tabs open it's not going to be as rewarding of an experience it's just not so if you have to watch it on your tv and you know put your phone away or shut your computer then do that if you have to go to a movie theater you know that's not really an option but if (laughs) you get it if you have the chance do that too um but yeah no i i think it's just important for people these days to realize that even when you think you're not missing something, you probably are missing something. And it may not be the difference between, you know, liking a show and not liking a show, but it could be the difference between, you know, loving a show and just really liking it or thinking that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, I will say um, I recently, I, I watched the first, I, I, I watched the uh, latest episodes of uh, Arrested Development at home in my apartment on a computer monitor and didn't love it. And then I went to the premiere and saw the first three in an audience that included the cast and crew. And it was a much better experience, which shouldn't be shocking, but like it played really well with the crowd. The laughs were really good. And I had a a far better time than I was expecting because I was not initially a big fan of the show, but the first three episodes played really well in a theater. Yeah, that first episode is is pretty awful. <laughs> but but I better mean, if you it's can hear. Definitely better, yeah. If you can hear Jason Bateman laugh at it. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, the the movie snob in me is always going to say, if you can see it in a theater, fucking do it. Like that, that it's one of the things that gets cliche uh, to to me at least when I go to you know festivals or premieres or whatever. People usually like the creators, especially usually say, "I feel so lucky to be able to watch this with a crowd." And it's almost like a go-to kind of comment when you ask about, you know, what their reaction was or how they felt or whatever. Um, but it's also, it's just true. Like, it is. It's just better. Like, the the kind of reactions you hear live in the moment with a bunch of people are special. I mean, I watched the Americans finale, you know, 
by myself first, and then I got to see it in a theater with full of Emmy voters, and <laughs> like the applause at the end of the garage scene was great. Oh yeah. Um, there were like little reactions to certain things people did, you know, that were funny. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, yes. In short, 100% Liz is correct as yeah. usual. Yeah. The the, the theater slash group experience in TV is I'm you can't say it's underappreciated. Um, because it's so hard to ha- like, let everybody have that, but uh, it it needs to be sought out as as much as possible. It needs to be created as much as possible. Yeah. People who you know host those Mad Men screenings in the back in the day, or you know had a Twin Peaks in a theater event, or whatever you know, like that stuff. Like that's great. You should go do that yeah. if you if your local whatever does. More it. more bars should host screening events like that. True. Yeah. They're good. They're good business. Yeah. Um. So I've got a question from one Jim Miller. Sweet. Uh, if you don't mind answering for my dad, um, and he asked, he asked three questions, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do just kind of like the first two because they're a combo. Um, so, Desert Island scenario: the ten shows you have on your DVR separately between the two of uh, separately for each of us, followed by Desert Island scenario. Except we are both on the island together, and we have to pick ten shows to share. Oh, it's gonna take forever. I know. We maybe we we could drop it down to five. That might be faster. I also don't have a DVR. No, I mean theoretical, metaphorical DVR. We have if it's five desert islands. No, I guess the desert island part. Right. The first part though, it was the five on our DVR right now. Right. No, no, no. The five shows that if we have a DVR on the desert island. Oh, it's all just one question. Yeah. If we have oh individually and, and then, then we combine. It. Yes, exactly. Got it. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Got it. Like for example. Um, I will. I will take for my own, my for my personal individual uh, desert island. I will bring with me uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I will probably not argue for space for it. <laughs> out of five, out of five shows. Ben, I didn't even tell you half the crazy shit that happened in season three. Oh, Liz. Ben, the same episode that included an ET montage uh, uh, homage. Also contained a sequence where a group of men get brainwash get mind controlled into doing the good morning song and dance from Singing in the Rain. I just don't think this is gonna be <laughs> that fun the the sixth time you watch it. I think a lot of the specialness will wear away pretty quick, especially when we're starving. Oh, it's true. Um yeah, I mean Leftovers, Parks and Rec, Friday Night Lights, Friends. X Files, a wire. <laughs> those are th- those are your individual. Yeah. Okay. Well, basically, I'll just I'll just say that I'd take the X Files. That's fine. What? I'd take the X Files. Okay, so we can bring the X for for the Joy Island. We can bring the X Files. Mm-hmm. Maybe good. Bojack. The wire's not a bad choice, if only because then I'll finally finish watching the wire. I think Bojack would be good. I'm okay with the left. Well, am I okay with the leftovers? I feel like the leftovers on a desert island around the fifth or sixth time we get. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> You're just thinking now about getting to sit on a desert island and do nothing but watch the leftovers over and over again. We get to go to some really dark places, Liz. <laughs> like, think about the conversations we had when the leftovers was on the air. It's and true. And then think about if we had those same conversations under the very real premise that we could die. <laughs> this is like your dream. Dream vacation. I mean, it'd be pretty good. It, it, we'd, we would discover some truths about humanity. 
maybe this is maybe this is the design for the perfect tv show to answer <laughs> your mom's question yeah put this two is... people on a desert island make them watch the leftovers for like five years well if you think about it in this in some ways this podcast is basically that comes. but in a far more far more extended version and also we get breaks yeah you get too many breaks from talking about the leftovers you, you don't dwell on death long enough like it's unhealthy how little you think about death oh uh, will you download that app what app the app that that sends you reminders every day that you're gonna die there's an app that does that yeah do you have it no i don't need it they told me that i didn't <laughs> they told me i shouldn't use it like i was reading the the like the the intro text yeah like the the kind of description of like this is designed for these kind of people or whatever and it was like if you think about it x amount or if you're willing to talk about it with people or like a bunch of things like it was just like it's probably not for me i shouldn't do it but i do encourage everybody else to use it i don't know the name of it i'm sorry liz is Googling i'm li- actually looking this up because i i you either are fucking with me or this is a real thing it's a real thing um, there's an article about it on wired i okay i can't seem to find it right away by saying typing and thinking about death maybe i can find it uh liz i'll put this out i think i think we'd probably agree on parks and rec right yeah absolutely so are we up to three now yeah we're x-files parks and rec i've agreed to the leftovers against my better wishes bad move liz <laughs> I'm also, liz is gonna I- keep clamoring for the remote to watch parks and rec when i'm ready to restart the leftovers and i'll be like no and then uh, no but i'm also uh, we could also take the wire because uh i need a because I, I need to finish watching the wire and i feel like a desert island is a really good place to do that um, no, that's five what that's five no what no X-Files, oh because Bo- bojack, bojack. Yeah. Yeah. yeah i wasn't counting bojack yeah okay so that's i mean that's that's a fairly healthy tv diet the article i found the article on wired right five times a day for the past three months an app called we croak Jeez. has been telling me i'm going to die <laughs> it's great everybody download we croak not m- mom don't download we croak you don't, you don't need it either we talk about it enough that yeah everybody um, else should do it that don't listen to ben but because don't listen to anyone who doesn't need the app about whether or not you need this app well but don't be presumptuous about not needing the app if you don't like thinking about death or if you don't like talking about it then you need it so get it oh man soon <laughs> oh this is a really good way to end friday um it is yeah i mean this is the, this has been fun i think we've had some fun conversations thank you guys all for your questions um shout out to my friend sean redlitz whose question who, whose only question was does wtf legion count as a question the answer to your question sean is yes that counts as a question it does yeah well done um we do not have time to answer that either nope but we do have time for me to ask ben what was the best thing he watched last week well, Liz, uh, the best thing I watched last week is is somewhat threefold. Um, and this is why we hour-long podcast. I know. I'm terrible. Uh, I got to see the premiere of Sharp Objects. It's great. Um, so that's definitely one of them. I got to uh, get a first look at the first, which is Bo Willimon's upcoming Hulu series. Your, your description of this makes me really excited for I it. I think you'll like it. Um, I mean, based on a trailer. So, again, take that with a grain of salt. But it looks great. Um, Tree Life fans will be pleased. Um, but I think the real answer in terms of like stuff that's actually come out <laughs> and I've seen all of, or at least enough of to judge, was I loved Archer this season, guys. It was great. Aww. Um, it was, 
it was kind of this fun little, you know, respite from the very dark and gloomy eighth season, which, you know, I also enjoyed, obviously. But um, at the same time, what they did with this season, especially at the very end, which I won't spoil here, but I have written about online, it's really, it's really great. It's like they, it's like they were willing to kind of play along with a genre and enjoy all of its elements and just let you have fun with it. And then at the very end, they're like, up, up, up. we're still Archer. We still make our own decisions. We still push things where we want to push them. Um, and it's, it's, it provided a, a very satisfying ending in my opinion. I can see how other people might feel it's, it's shorted them a bit, but I, I enjoyed the ending to Danger Island. And then what's coming next year looks great. So, um, so yeah, Archer. Everybody keep watching it. Great. Also on FXX. <laughs> uh, Liz, what was the best thing you watched last week? Well, how I feel about this, I'm still kind of in the works on. But I really responded to episode nine of The Handmaid's Tale. I thought it was fantastic. I think the show in episode like they gave us the first six for review my review was a little lukewarm um and then episode seven through episode seven eight and nine really ramped things up in an exciting way um and i've seen episode 10 as you listen to this i'm not saying anything about it uh but it will start at least one or two conversations uh that need to be had and i mean i don't know like i there's as fr- from where I've seen, there are three more episodes left in the season. I have no idea where it's going, but it's been an, a really exciting ride. And I think ultimately, I think it's going to, I'm going to, we're going to look back on it as maybe not a, not a perfect season of television, but certainly a very exciting one. Exciting and ride are two words I don't typically hear about Handmaid's Tale. So this is nice to know. Yeah, you know, I mean, in especially in comparison to other, it, the season one of The Handmaid's Tale, like there's a... There's not a lot of fat on this bone. And yet it's longer. Yes. Which is, you know, <laughs> impressive. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's my best thing. Ben, what was your, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Um, another twofold answer. Um, this one legit. I'm looking forward to two things that premiere next week. One is the all-new series Yellowstone. Uh, <laughs> Have you actually watched any of it yet? I haven't, but I'm really excited to. I've been a little backlogged this You mean week, Jellystone? Uh, yeah, Jellystone, Yellowstone, uh, it all comes from the mind of Taylor Sheridan, um, whose Sicario sequel is getting really good early reaction. Yeah. Our own Ann Thompson apparently has been raving about it for like two months, and I didn't I've hear seen a nothing. Word. I've seen nothing but good commentary about it. Yeah, so far online, there's only been positive reviews. There's been uh, a couple of uh, experts who've been like, it's like, this is not at all what it's really like, but that's fine. It's a movie. Um Anyway, Taylor Sheridan, that writer, this is his first television show. He also directed every episode, stars Kevin Costner. Um, it's like a, like a modern western. He's riding around on a horse with a hat, and there's oil and pipelines and farmland and ranches and money and guns. and Anyway, I love it. It's going to be outside. There's going to be a lot of outdoor stuff, and that's great. Then this is my really important question. This is the most important question that I feel like your Yellowstone review. If, are you reviewing? You bet. Your Yellowstone review will have to answer. How will it translate as a theme punk stunt, a theme park stunt spectacular in the vein of we- Waterworld? Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna touch on that. Okay, but you're gonna tell me. Um, as much as my mind can wrap 
itself around the concept of turning Yellowstone into a theme park ride. I will give you not, some not sort a of theme answer. park ride, a stunt spectacular sta- uh, stage show. Oh, uh, that feels even more complicated, but I'll still try. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it because it's the most important question. It's it's a, it's a question. <laughs> um, part two of the answer is Detroiters, by the way. Oh yay! I love Detroiters. Season two, Comedy Central. Sam Richardson's back on TV. Yay! Um, yeah, it's great. So, I'm trying to talk to him about for this this article I've been working on. Do it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I think he'll be great. He is great. Um, <laughs> you are right to be excited. Uh, it's gonna be fun. Actually, I guess the question is like, how much is he? I mean, he's he's not he's not split in person. Like that's a character. Oh no 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 yeah he it's it's character. I mean, he's pretty distinct on Detroiters, I guess, from what I've seen. Yeah, no, but he's 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 a wonderful man. So, yeah. Um, anyway, enjoy that. And Liz, I hope you're enjo- going to enjoy what you're looking forward to next, which is preacher. Yeah, you can. Yeah, that could be fun. Yeah, I mean, I. Uh... Sorry about that. Uh, with Preacher, I started. I've, I've been rewatching season two and really impressed by just how weird and fun that show is. Like, I mean, I think like it kind of. It, it's actually been reminding me a lot of Blood Drive, just in terms of you know, oh. rest in peace, Blood Drive. Um, just in, per- in terms of like kind of the the glee it takes in violence and gore, in in like a way where it's like. It doesn't make me feel bad watching it. I don't feel gross watching it. I feel like I'm having a fun time. Fun times. Yes, exactly. That's and, good. And I feel like I feel like in I feel like that's something that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg have proven uh, pretty good at you know executing on a regular basis. So, yeah, yeah. Season three. Season three is coming on. Uh, if only they just sent me a little bottle of whiskey that has this printed on it. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, it returns uh, June 24th. Uh, so that should be fun. And uh, the first two seasons are on Hulu now if you want to check it out. Check it out. <laughs> and we'll have more thoughts about all these shows and more on IndieWire.com mm. where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. And if you like this podcast, you'll love the other podcasts, including Turn It On Podcast with Michael Schneider, uh, the one that started it all, Screen Talk with Ant Thompson and Eric Cohn, and of course, our lovely course. listener, perfect human being, uh, the father all fathers aspire to be, the husband all husbands want and all wives want as well, the man, the legend, the one and only, my personal hero, Chris O'Fault. Oh, and he it's Chris O'Fault's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. It's good. He's in, like, he's he's deep into Emmy stuff right now. So it's like a Bond movie, basically. Like you say, you want to see the James Bond movie, just like you're like, I want the Crystal Fault podcast. Like mm. the title is almost secondary, but it's important. It's a great title. It's a good title, yeah. It's a great title, Liz. It's a great title. Yeah, I don't think he came up with it. Well, that's not. He wouldn't have used it if he didn't think it was great. Yeah, sir. And thus, it is now by extension great. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, you can follow Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can follow Chris on Twitter at C.O. Fault. Right? C.O. Fault, yeah. But C-O-F-A-L-T. Yeah. Um, instead of the whole Ben part of it, because I know you guys don't want to add that many people, mm. add Liz. Eh. She's at Lizlet, and that's eh. with an I and then an E. That's true. The rest are basically L's. Yeah, just throw just throw a bunch of L's into Twitter, and it'll eventually pull up me. 
That's accurate. Yeah. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, if you like what you're hearing, uh, review and a rating on the iTunes or the whatnots, whatever, however you listen to this, would be appreciated. Apple though TV. not required. Don't don't go out of your way. Just keep, you know, we know you're busy. We appreciate any time you give us. Some of you are busy. Some of you are not. Who's not busy? Plenty of people. Yeah, I guess. It's a busy world, though, Ben. You make it busy, Liz. You can decide for yourself. We'll talk about it on the island. Yep. (laughs) Yes. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, keep watching television.